and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me, it's Clay Williams. Um, there are four of us here today, and I thought what would be fun, we could go around the room and say what ape we all are, right? Oh, good idea. That's right? cute. Okay, so That's cute. for just putting it on the table, what we have to choose from we have a chimpanzee, your classic chimpanzee. Your oh, wait, are you talking about individual characters or like what, like actual like species? species. Yeah. No, oh. I want to be a character. Oh, yeah, same. Sorry. I like that. And oh. I like that. No, I like that better. Sorry. Carly's correct. Yeah, Carly's correct. I mean, there's, I thought of the species because there's four of them that come to mind, right? And there's, four, and, all right, do we want no. to be like, okay. she's right. I'm sorry, Jack. No, <laughs> if that is what Clay wants, we will do that. <laughs> um what what character are we what maurice 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 took it took it off the carly's table. a maurice okay. as well absolutely like, like oh my god <laughs> i die just the best i die for maurice like yeah die i mean i'll walk in we'll front get of into train. it but like the emotional like the beating heart of all of all of the movies Karen Conoval is like a secret weapon. Secret weapon. She's of incredible. the whole. whole uh, Does she do the voice of Maurice when he actually speaks? I'm not sure. No, I think I'm, I don't I think, think so. Man. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But still, the physicality is key. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm I either see- Maurice or Rocket. Rocket's pretty loyal. And like gets yeah. the Rocket's job cool. done. Good. And talk and about know, performances. Terry Notary is quite right. Oh. I mean, he's right. a legend. He is. Right. He's a, he has as many ape credits as Circus does now because he did Kong for like Skull Island and Godzilla yes. versus Kong. Yes. And yes. He even like played a guy who pretends to be an ape in the square. In the square. Like, yeah, that's where I first so, saw him actually. Yeah. yeah. But. I mean, it and and Rocket too has like a cool arc, right? Like, lest yeah, we forget, because yeah. I, I watched Rise as well before we recorded, yeah, and yeah, so and Rocket starts out as like one of the principal kind of like ape antagonists, yeah. uh, a la Koba in Rise. He like tries to beat the shit out of Caesar, and then Caesar spares his life, and he mm. is uh, loyal from henceforth. Karen Carnival is the voice of Maurice. Wow. No that's, shit. That's yeah, awesome. I, uh, what that's can't great. she do? That's a I've been asking myself voice. that all day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, me too. That's like a, they, that's like an Elizabeth Holmes level like transformation of voice. They <laughs> might have I bet they might have done some tweaks. Yeah. Like audio wise. Sure yeah, sure. because that's that's I know, actually oh, that would be insane actually thinking about it now. Like, nah, I don't think so. I know they yeah. tweak Circus's voice. I, I read that. But that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you can tell it's not like totally him. Mm-hmm. But his face, but, you, but I, I'm sure Sir, Sir, Sir Caesar's face is looking like Circus's face, which is incredible. A whole different it. kind of imp- impressive. I don't know what I'm calling Con- it. Um, I, 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 bad ape. I'm bad ape. I mean, <gasps> like you're bad, bad, bad ape. Bad ape. But you're bad ape. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I love the, the whole. I love his thing. You know, he's, he's got, awesome. He's got, he's, he's a one person team, you know? It's yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> he is. And Steve Zahn, man, like what a champ in that movie. He did. Zahn is job. one of my favorite actors ever. Yeah. Me too. I, I am delighted. I'm delighted whenever 
Do you guys um, want to know what Jack sent thing. me when he was watching War, like the text? I mean, you don't yeah. know. You sure. have to reveal it. 100%. Everything. That. <laughs> he, Jack he, is like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> at, t- at 10 in the 10 in the morning when I was uh doing I, I was doing some camp, some uh sports camps for uh, the kiddos, I get this text randomly. How much bad ape stock can I buy? All of it? <laughs> question mark. Yeah. And <laughs> lest we forget that Jack is in a different time zone. So it's not him thinking about that like at 10 a.m., like you know, still breakfast time for some of our lazy oh, folks. That's good. Mad at you if it was breakfast and you were <laughs> It's lunchtime for Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a valid. That's a lunch that. thought. That's a yeah, lunch thought. It's a lunch thought. It's a lunch, thought. lunch, it's a lunch, thought. lunch yeah. thought. It's a lunch yeah. thought. Yeah. I'm debating on who I am character-wise. I would my my cheeky answer is that I'm baby Cornelius because of how cute. Mm. He is. But uh, you I, could say I'm blue eyes. I, I'm Koba, honestly, guys. Yeah. Like, oh. God, I love Koba. Like, I know that he is, you, you know, like one of our one of our, uh, you know, antagonists. He he opposes Caesar. He is vindictive. He is vengeful and violent, but he is also just one of the richest characters that the trilogy has yeah. i love i love him i think he's amazing toby kebbell yeah. like is the secret sauce in that movie for sure mm-hmm. yeah a uh, three-dimensional character to you know uh philosophically oppose you know not even like heroes and villains just different ways of looking at yeah conflict he's, yeah he's i mean he kills he kills ash he's a villain just, like i mean he kills <laughs> yeah ash. i mean he yeah. does do bad yeah. things yeah, yeah. He is driven by hate and by fear and all of those things. He he's a bad guy, but yeah, the thing right, is though. that he is right, and his right. means well, his right. his means are ugly. But he's he's like a Stalin character, right? Where he's yeah. like, it's like there is like a root of something true and like just about the revolution and the way that he's approaching this. His means are ugly because they live in ugly times. <laughs> like you can't like you know um like uh what's the word i'm thinking of? you can't you can't like debate your way out of the predicament they're in yeah. like right. it requires action it requires, it action. requires yeah. action one of the antagonism. like one of the bravest like strokes of genius of the third entry in this movie is that for, like for a majority of it it validates koba's viewpoint like it, it goes about like explaining to you exactly why like yeah he actually is pretty correct uh-huh. like you know mm-hmm. he it, it wasn't the right time for him to do what he was doing and you know like he he was a bad guy but like look what look what follows afterward and just see how justified he was in some of his perspectives yep it was timing that was Koba's timing. enemy it was it was time it was the in which he laid out these ideas yeah. And I would even go as far to say they live in unprecedented times, just yeah. like we did. Impre- exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Imagine, I can imagine, Co- imagine Koba as the general leading the apes into war when the colonel finally made his way to San Francisco. Like right. that was an inevitability once they got power, right? That they had sort of like reached and made contact. Maybe not exactly because Co- it was because Koba attacked them, but. And which, by the kind- way, if I forget to mention, uh, it only dawned on me since y'all would be here. And when I was seeing these uh, the other day, uh, this is a San Francisco film. They are oh. San Francisco. Yeah, pretty right. good ones. So, I mean, you know, uh, pretty good ones. Right. I mean, one of the, they are. 
our best. Yeah. Recognizable um, locales in the right, for the most right. part. Shot on location. The woods, the woods are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about the fact that Dawn came out the same summer as um as Godzilla did. Mm. And I know people uh, have mixed opinions on that one. I do not particularly care for it. I think it's actually quite, quite bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that movie, and that movie is, you know, in part in quotes set in San Francisco, but it's actually like Montreal, uh, (laughs) like doubling in San Francisco. And you can tell like they get none of it right. Like there's, they, they use like BART stations as like underground shelters and they have these like giant ironclad doors on them. The color of like, the Golden Gate Bridge is like six shades too dark. It just all of it looks like a really bad like facsimile of San Francisco. It doesn't feel like it. And these movies have something that does feel San Francisco or or like Northern California about them, which I really like. Where's Matt Reeves from? Good cue. I think it's like the south, the south. I'm not mistaken. Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Oh no, I was New York. So- yeah. So he is from so he's from Rockville Center, New York. But does anyone want to guess his alma mater? UC Berkeley. I was gonna say UC Berkeley. USC U- Film School, USC. U- University of Southern California. Boom. Oh, okay. Yep. So hey, you anyone know, wanna, in the area? Anyone want to really. guess the TV show that he created with JJ Abrams? Oh my gosh! Uh, 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 Felicity. No, no, yeah, I, it's it's one of my. Favorite TV shows. Um, when I, I told him I, I was going to go crazy this episode, he's like, "Cool, I'm going to go hard on Felicity." Felicity's <laughs> no, great. I, I love. I didn't Russell. say. I didn't say that. You I have an audience here for that. Like, yeah, absolutely. I grew up watching yeah. that show. I did it too. Rolled. My yeah. mom was super into it, so I wound up watching all of it. I remember yeah. how upset she was at the fan response to the second season haircut. Like oh that God. was a huge deal. For oh, her. I thought she looks great. Oh, she looks really? good. Amazing. She looks really good. Yeah. It's Carrie Russell. Great. She like she yeah. can't no, look bad. No, there's no She's way. Like, I was just gonna also, say. I'm also old enough to remember that she was on. Uh, before any of that, she was on the like '90s version of the Mickey Mouse Club, and they called it Whoa. MMC. Yeah. <laughs> they cooled it up and called it MMC. Um, that's where like Christina Aguilera, Ryan Gosling, like Britney Spears, oh, it's that generation. All of them can't, but Carrie Russell yeah. was on that. Oh my god, big Carrie. I love it. Big Carrie. Um, why don't we say we do a round table of what we've been watching lately before we get into War of the Planet of the Apes and Done for the Planet of the Apes? I haven't seen anything. It's okay. been two days. Well, that's <laughs> yes, it's been re- it's been a short amount of time since we last saw each other. NBA playoffs. But... You can't expect me to watch actual films, okay? You can't expect that I mean that yeah, that's and that's cinema. <laughs> it is I love that you said that. Modern um, just... modern sports uh sports uh, are narrativized to the point that they really are it's though you know true. right like the way that right. we build there's in a like storylines yeah right. there's have lighting costumes yeah. Yeah. right cost <laughs> production designs yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my god yeah. totally when yeah, I was yeah. when drama I was in school. conflict right 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 <laughs> subterfuge right when I was in Absolutely. school which feels like a long time ago now we I did many television criticism and analysis courses um in my my major and we had a a significant conversation about the evolution of sports narrative and the way that like uh i could the the actual games have like been constructed in order to like generate more of that kind of drama and tension you can't go down this road because i then i won't stop talking you can't (laughs) this is that would 
You can't. No, we can't. We gotta right. move on. Okay. We'll stick Jack, to what, if you, what if? Can we Jack, what if you? Yeah. I do. I do want to hear oh, we'll talk about it. That would point. be. I know. That's a separate Zoom call. Yeah, and yeah. A it'll be a separate Zoom we'll, call. We'll, we'll, we'll reconvene. Same Zoom we'll reconvene. call that I Jesus. will do my Janet Jackson presentation for you, Jack. You, uh, with, <laughs> I also would like that. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah. Oh, you got two. Jack got DM'd two. me and was like, "Oh, um, I, I like posted about uh, presenting to our my Gen Z coworkers. Uh, made a little deck about Janet Jackson." <laughs> and Jack, Jan- I didn't realize you made a deck for it. Oh, we made, uh, yeah, I contributed seven slides to that deck. It looks thorough. Um, yeah, yeah it, it fucking rolled. It's the best thing I've ever made in my life. Um, and Jack DM me and was like, I think I need this presentation also. And I was like, uh, oh, that's boy. upsetting, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> what have the youths come to? What have the youths come to? Literally, you're like, someone was you're like, like Max Greenfield, wait, like, like Michael Jackson's sister, yes, sister. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, wait, 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 Jack, did you ask that question? No, I think, no, no I mean, Jack, it was, oh, okay. it, yeah, it was someone else okay. at my work, and no. that okay. is what prompted <laughs> yeah. the presentation. Like, yeah. somebody literally was like, I don't know who that is. We were like, all right, well, this is what you're doing a week well, from now during well, your lunch shit. hour. Yeah. You have to be I was about this to time. scream that if Jack, if Jack was the person who asked that question, I was about to it wasn't scream. Jack. He would never say that to me, even if it's how he felt, yes. because yes. he knows. Yes. Why do you know me? Um, but... Okay, you have you just been watching basketball. I started well because this week for me, um, admittedly, has just been apes. Like I've just been going through <laughs> apes. apes. Yep. Um, well, yeah, Yes, yes, Aaron and myself have done apes. Uh, you know, a look through of of the previous films, but other than that, I started Jury Duty. Which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, this show is so creative. Oh God, I've in real life. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. The the James Marsden show that everyone's yes. like yeah. talking about. I need to start it. No, it's so I'm only an episode in. I feel like I'm kind of prematurely talking about. Well, didn't it, you wait? So, did you watch it right after? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I did. That's yeah. Awesome. But no, I because I because it was just one final reminder. Like, oh shoot, I do need to see that. Um, Shout out to Emma going, Arnold, former guest right. of the podcast. Right, right, right. And like, it's so, it's so effortlessly funny because of all these people that are in on one defined goal, just to see how far they can see where this goes with like, for those that don't know, um, one person believes that they're attending jury duty and everyone else is an actor, including James Marston. Which is a um, crazy who, risk, a crazy but, risk. Wh- yeah. While while you're right, on the other side of that, it gets you thinking, and I think it reminds everyone who does know him, like, yes, he's famous, but not that famous. Yeah. To where, like, I mean, Clay even said this when on the Bobby Duke episode, Emma Arnold was talking about how she really liked it. He's the number one person where everyone is like, I love James Marston, horrible career where it's like he does need to go and actually list his credits to other people and being like, I was in Sonic, I was in Westworld, I was in Hairspray. But yeah. yet people are like, who are you? 
Yeah. But but yeah. he's just another one of the great people where it's like, like, I don't know, there's just some people who are just like ordinary look. I don't know how to, they look like just made to be on this social experiment because they look so right for their part in this to like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say prank, but to participate in this. Yeah. Um, and Marsden, Marsden fits right in. That's what. I, I have totally a, I have a mental hit list of agents. I think that <laughs> I would take out if need be. And one is James. Um, the top two are Jaimon Hansun's agent. Yeah. And oh, man. I would I ooh, I want to beat that person with a bat. Um, because <laughs> I it was I think what it's I think what. Quiet Place 2, when he's in it for five seconds and dies, I was like, this is a fucking Oscar nom- nominee. Yeah. What the it fuck of, are we doing? It kind of feels like that's the deal with Ken Watanabe these days, too, though. Absolutely. Like both, of, both of them had, like, huge peaks in, like, the early to mid-2000s, and now they're just kind of, like, there to show up every so often. It's like, these are great actors. Like, let Both them do historical stuff. epics as well. Yeah, but at man. least he got... Ken at least got a television show. Jaimon has gotten nothing. Yeah. The only fair. thing that's coming up that I'm interested in is the the Snyder movies, the Rebel Moon or whatever the fuck. Because that's where that, I'm for sure. Yeah. I I mean I'm but that but it's like always but it piqued my interest. I'm like Zach, you better not fuck this up, buddy. He deserves <laughs> more. Yeah. Don't fuck this up. So it's Jaimon Hansen and James Marsden. Those are the, yeah. the agents that I would personally commit violence i mean fellas well we, it, it's the pictures that got small <laughs> frankly you know what i mean like all of these guys should be making better movies but there's not a lot of very good movies for them to be in yeah that's a good like, well it's not even that i want jai moon to make great movies i want him to lead or supporting yeah, i just for like sure. I, right. I just think like but... they're probably they're probably actors who like because of their careers and because of the accumulation of like awards and like nominations and you know their their track record probably have a, a better rate than a lot of like younger actors do. Oh and sure. So like Absolutely. and so who and so who pays those rates right now? It's like Marvel and DC, right? Yeah. Like those are the people who are going to pay them. Right. And you know, I mean, Ken has worth. avoided the comic book movies. I mean, he did Godzilla, which he did is Godzilla, his own thing, but, yeah. but he he has avoided those surprisingly. Yeah. I know. I know. And if I get and if I can bring you know. I mean, not to make a pun of this, but like that people online will say like joining the MCU is actor jury duty, right? But Uh, it's like, (laughs) I agree. That that was a pun. No, no, that was a pun. That got Mm -mm. me. Not letting you, not letting you off, but that was intended. I'm not going to lie. It was good. (laughs) That got me. (laughs) Unintended. But it's like, I don't, I don't fault actors for that because it's mm-hmm. like, you kind of have to, right? Like yeah, what is there to modern movie stars don't exist yeah. and people who are famous are in Marvel and then they can do other shit if you'd like, right? Like that just kind of seems how yeah. it is. And, there's, yeah. there's no like, there's no like crimson tides for anyone to right. like star in these days, no. you know, where it's like. <laughs> You know, now, I mean, you're, that, yeah, now you're personally talking to me. So, okay, let's <laughs> to both of us. By any means, I, I agree with you, Clay. I wish that Jamon Honsu and and Ken Watanabe and and uh, James Marsden and all these guys were were getting better work and doing more interesting stuff because they're great. I just think one of the most damning picture, like the most damning pictures in an actor actor's career, is when they put 
James Marsden, they put a, a side-by-side of him driving a vehicle with an animated creature next to him that was from two different movies. No! Yeah, two Sonic movies. No! Wait, really? Oh, no! Sorry, Sonic, okay. So, well, I mean, yes, he was in the Sonic movie. That makes it worse. It's Sonic and, I think, what, fucking Hop or something? Some bunny-ass movie. Oh! That, some bunny-ass right, Some bunny-ass movie. Yes, I know what you're talking Yeah, like... He yes, was. the Russell Brand hop. Yes. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Some oh. some bunny movie. <laughs> some some bunny ass movie. Bunny ass movie. <laughs> that is. I can't think of a more damning photo. Just like yeah, fuck. that sucks. Because he's tremendous in Westworld. Tree fucking Mendes. He's very good. He is. He's. I mean, he's got the range all around. We've seen him. I mean, he can sing. He did hairspray. He did enchant. Classically handsome. Yeah. Classically handsome. Classically handsome. He funny. He, he cut a pretty good figure of Cyclops funny. back in the day. He's very funny. He can do pretty much all of it. He yeah. should be doing better movies. He got fucked sure. on Cyclops. He got absolutely fucked. But that's a, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, that that whole series. Like as much as I love those first two movies, we've talked about Famke Jansen as well in our show, and like mm. that, like mm. how good she is as Xenia on a top and Goldeneye. And then, like, how mm-hmm. worthless a character Ugh, uh, she played, like, like Jean Grey is boring. in those movies. It's like, you know. You yeah. almost forget she's in those movies. Like, you do. Legit. And you she's, do. like, the most important character. She's the most important. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, Harley and Aaron, what have you watched lately? Okay. Jack, which which of the uh Apes movies, the older Apes movies have you been watching? Because I've I've been all of them. them all of all them. Of them. Okay. Oh, yeah. I so I've I've never seen any of them save for the original 1968. Neither have I, and I only saw the original 68 last year. I'm like brand new okay. to this franchise. So. Wow, okay, great. Yeah. Um so I, I rewatched 68 and like loved it even more than mm-hmm. I did when I was a kid watching it. Um, but then, yeah, watch. Bobby. I didn't realize the movie that Bobby took that uh, Don took Bobby to in Mad Men was actually a real movie. Like, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot. I Planet, of the Apes. Planet of the Apes and Rosemary's Baby is the other big one. Yeah, that yes, yes, about they on did. That yeah. show. That's like yeah, really yeah. cool. Um, I'm going to beat you for shoe. <laughs> OK, no, <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. Where... Me and my friends would have killed Jack Draper with hammers. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> We would never harm you alongside yeah. James Marsden's agent. Um, but so I, I, wa- I got the chance to watch Beneath and Escape before mm-hmm. we recorded. Holy, holy shit. Like, so good. Yeah. So, so good. I, and I think it honestly gave me a bigger, better appreciation of the trilogy that we're like talking about because mm-hmm. those older movies are so like weird and idiosyncratic and so like distinct mm-hmm. in all their iterations. That like watching Dawn and then War as like different as they are didn't bug me as much this time as I feel like it kind of mm-hmm. did when I first saw them, where it's like, oh yeah, these are like two distinct features. They're a little goofy at parts, but like they're doing interesting creative stuff and yeah. asking interesting questions and and just like cool spectacle. Because they have ideas. They like do. they can be a little goofy, but they're all hanging on the back of the original. And it's like, how can we insert social commentary? about apes being treated like dogs and cats like how is yeah. this relevant to the early 70s mm-hmm. um yeah. the texts i was getting were wild <laughs> i was, I was wild. like updating the movies are wild um, <laughs> what's the, what's the one of the sauna an ape sauna 
Oh my that, god. Uh, that would be beneath. That would that would be beneath, yeah. Um yeah. And also the bad- a picture of I, like uh, of like dollar oh, yeah. store charlton heston and apparently he <laughs> fights charlton heston at some point he does. Yeah. yeah yeah with the, there not only that clay but there's a advanced race of telekinetic mm-hmm. underground humans he who tells worship me about a nuclear that. bomb mm-hmm. who yeah. who, who used mind control to have dollar store charlton heston and charlton heston fight one another yes it's yeah, awesome. beneath, is, beneath is good. Beneath is good. Um, beneath the, the back half of beneath like blew my mind. It was fucking. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, I'm I'm a little like mixed on conquest and escape, but then I like battle just as much as beneath. Oh, okay. Is my gotcha. general. Vibe. I loved escape. I thought escape uh-huh. was like maybe my favorite, uh, other than the original so far. I've heard great things about conquest. I don't know which mm-hmm. version you saw, but I had some friends tell me. Uh, that the director I did whatever version was on stars yeah okay but, yeah. it may be the theatrical version I guess uh-huh. sorry to spoil for people was <laughs> it the version where the apes relent at the end or was the version where the apes kill the guy at the end uh they relent okay that's the theatrical version which I've been okay. told is inferior to the other version. interesting it's huh. one of these scenarios you okay, fucked up it. Jack Jesus <laughs> stars <laughs> I can only I can only blame stars. It, with a it Z seems like a small him. thing, but I, I've had multiple people online now that I've talked about this no, movie say like entirely different, ending. entirely different. Yeah. Like Enti- well, which is yeah. interesting too, when you think about it in the context of these modern movies, mm-hmm. because like a big thing is, you know, about like the tension between like the apes, like, are they justified in their violence or should they seek peace? And it's interesting that like the better version of the fourth entry of the original series, they killed it. Yeah. Like, they should kill these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They went Koba with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely like trying to comment on its, on its times. Like, no, the oppressed will have its, have its way eventually, yeah. even, even if the power struggle is, is in the humans um, favor, but yeah, those movies are super interesting. I feel like it's an underrated franchise. Yeah. And what an incredible in time for them to be coming out and like right. having the right. messages that they like we just we don't get that stuff. I anymore. wonder how I wonder yeah. how much they cost. Cuz like though I mean like they're like, you know, the percent the prosthetics are like groundbreaking. Yeah. And that's yeah. a lot of time and effort. I want because I don't think I'm guessing not any of the sequels made a shit ton of money. No, so, they all get they all get progressively cheaper on the budget too, for yeah. the most part. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I just want to yeah. read two texts, no. two oh, texts that I got from Jack Draper. Please. please. Um, dollar store Charlton Heston discovers humans, but they have telepathy and live underground. That's one. <laughs> And uh, another one is Charlton Heston is back and he is brawling a dollar store Charlton Heston. Love it. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned that there should be more fisticuffs in film. And he's like, when, like when was this. the last time? And he, he <laughs> asked, like, when's the last fisticuffs. time there was a fist fight? And I'm like, Creed 3? <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fair. Admittedly, I haven't seen, but uh, you know. Yeah. But he also was then like, like Opp- Oppenheimer should end with fisticuffs. And I agree with that. <laughs> Agreed. I also agree with that. I gotta say that that fight between the two of them, I was like, yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a, a pretty low budget movie in like you know nineteen seventies. Like it, it'll be what it will be. He was extremely visceral 
yeah the way it, was, that it, was it, was, it was like brutal and i was like holy shit they're really going it was for like it. Un- choreographed. <laughs> so I felt, yeah. wow I, I hey listen a bit of the uh uh kobo caesar brawl that we get at, at the, the end of True. i mean certainly more emotionally charged but yeah. similar like but um, good fisticuffs yeah good solid fisticuffs you guys seriously i i mean i would love to receive texts like that just for the record <laughs> i know I, I know I, I, I will I will, you want. I will remember um <laughs> Clay I know I know like I don't bug about movies that you have you I know you haven't seen that I, I'm watching but you know these I know like isn't an important update but I'll update you too in the, in the future because it's like oh yeah you know like I love you know, it when you text me with what you're watching it makes me so <laughs> happy so you need to do it more yeah. is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, do it more. Get off your I, fucking yeah. ass and actually yeah, okay, text me. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll, do, I'll do it now. I'll do it now. Yeah. Um, but Carly, have you seen anything? One more. Carly, have you seen anything recently? Yeah. No, it's fine to skip me because I haven't. Okay. I, <laughs> cool. Okay. Same. Same. Cool. Like, awesome. I, right. I've been watching movies for this conversation and one we're doing tomorrow. And Ooh. the only other thing I've seen before like prior to that was severance which fucking rules that's good uh, yeah and yeah, i love that's it really, that's really good uh, this yeah, really that's, really good that's special that's like you haven't seen anything quite like that uh, nope it is i mean like lightning before, in a bottle before yeah. we began uh we we all were chatting about just how tired we are all the time and that's a show about how tired people are right like they're yeah. literally two people because like one person is their tired self one is their corporate like capitalism self and say like, oh my gosh that's me like i can't i want so badly to not have to experience yeah. the uh excruciating pain of exploitation <laughs> that i uh have a brain surgery so yeah. that i sever myself in half you need an it Indiana seems Navi. like a resonant premise it is a very resonant mm-hmm. it's actually so uh, former Hit Factory guest Matt Chrisman was tweeting yesterday about this, and I thought this was a very salient point, even if it's not. Oh, totally salient! Know, but, All right, I know salient. Uh, but he was like, uh, every Apple TV series is about some form of like world or technology that this company will eventually try to sell you. Like, <laughs> ooh, yeah, like, that's funny. Yeah, have you guys actually, seen For All uh, Mankind? No, no, I, no I one watches it. Me and Rock Wait, Santa Hadadi. That's it. About it. Pitch me. What is it? Well, so there's two pitches. So the pitch is, what if Russia got to the moon first? That's the basic pitch. Cool. In. I'm in. The second pitch, and Roxana told me this because she's interviewed them, I think did a panel and um, has, you know, really spoke with them extensively, um, has done interviews. Um, so she, I consider her the expert of the show. Um, I consider her an expert in anything. Period. She said she's yeah, a DMV legend, shout out. Um, she said that uh that basically the showrunner is like, well, how did how did we get to Star Trek in a way? Like the show is about how like how does Star Trek actually happen in the <sighs> sense of like the technology, its exploration of space, and Ooh. you know, that kind of thing. Awesome. And what do you guys think of Joel Kinnaman? Joel Kinnaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who is that? That's that's, that's okay. Our, that's our good. feeling on it. Yeah. Good. 
He's amazing. That's the okay. thing. Okay. It's like good. everything else. Like, I think he was good in Gun Suicide Squad. I think he was quite good in that. But besides that, it's like the man just doesn't really have it that much. And in the movies, and it's just, eh, it's, it's a lot. It's not, I was very skeptical. He's the lead in this. He's incredible. Okay. Really? I've, I mean, I've heard that he's like, okay. I've heard good things about him before. Cause like, the thing that I remember people going like apeshit about uh, oh. was the killing apeshit. There you go. Uh, oh. But but the the killing that he was on um, with. I like the killing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With uh, yeah. what's her face? The uh, woman whose name I always forget who's in things that I like. That lady. That lady. Gillian Anderson? In... No, no, no. No. What am I thinking she's of? I think in, she's like Happy uh, Valley. Never mind. Yeah. She's uh, Muriel Enos. The one she's in Sabotage. She's uh, mm-hmm. Sam Worthington's uh, the Beastie yeah, yeah, Boys yeah. song. Oh. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I remember people remarking that he did a great job on that show. I believed them, but then I saw Suicide Squad and some other stuff and RoboCop, the remake, and all of that. I was like, I don't know how much I believe this, but good to know that right. he, he's actually got it. So I want to watch. I mean, I want to watch that. Let's do it. I mean, the geopolitical stuff is good. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you're dealing with the Cold War and Russia and mm-hmm. you're just like, I mean, this is like, you know, it's an American centric show, but some good stuff in it. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, Rock and roll. Character, character actor galore um, for the most <gasps> oh, part. Oh, my we, fave. We love that. We love faves.
must be another way. War has already begun. Um. Okay, we need to get into the Apes movies because we yes. could really go on. Let, five hours. We could go on for five hours, and we're, we we're chatty people. We are. We love but, talking with with the oh boys. Oh my gosh! And we love talking with you too. But let's get into the Apes movies from Matt Reeves, which I'm sure we admit, which I'm sure we'll do rise one day. We omitted it for this episode. Who's going to choose it? That's my thing. I don't know. I mean, listen, I omit, we omitted Ghost Protocol from when we did for fall. Someone will choose that. Someone, right. And that's what I, because it was made by a person. Yeah. And not a Rupert Wyatt. This is true. This is true. Um, I don't reason. I don't think, yeah, Yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, I haven't I seen Rise in a very long time. It's never the one I rewatch. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's not very good. It's not. Yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's poorly fine. made, but well written is sort of my takeaway. It's um, it's a it's a good found it's a good foundation, yeah. is what it is. Right. It's a bit it's of also, Batman Begins. Like it has to do a lot, but it's yeah. still Whoa, like a bit. I mean, like, Batman Begins is pretty good. Right. No, no, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. No, no. I just mean like it has. No, I know. Some, like functionally. Functionally, okay. it's a Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. see. I could probably right now tell your listeners like, "Oh, Kurt Russell's son uh, directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes," and people would believe that because I would be confusing that's Ryan really for funny. Wyatt Russell. Uh, that's and really like, funny. And, and everyone would be like, "Yeah, that's true, right? That's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. How interesting." Yeah, but one is more immensely more talented than the other, it's and very you true. know who? Very, yep. very true. Yeah, Rupert Wyatt. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, let's get into first impressions. If anyone would like to, I mean, because for me, like I haven't seen any of these, the reboots, the sequels oh, wow. to the original. I'm brand new. Um, I'll go into thoughts when we, after this, but uh, if anyone would like to begin with just like your history with the films. Yeah, what's your off. first experience with them? I already said that. I synthetho- uh, synthesized it. Jesus. <laughs> um. First of all, major treat for you just like for first time watching these i'm excited for that Um, thank you uh i hadn't seen any of them when they were out in theaters and then aaron and i were dating and he was like hey these movies rule um specifically dawn and i was like i don't know man uh okay (laughs) um and you're telling me there's a whole planet of these apes there's a whole there's a whole fucking planet what (laughs) Um, and he was like look you don't need to have seen rise to watch dawn and like i i really think you would like dawn and i was like okay sure we watched dawn i'm a fucking mess like it's so fucking good uh and i was blown away at the time war hadn't come out yet i was blown away at the time by the um the special effects like it just, it just, it is, uh, I remember when we got to the, to the end of the film, I like was so moved by how moved I was. I was like very like taken by how much of an effect the film had on me because I was not at all prepared for it. Um, if you had said to me like, Hey, this, this, uh, this, CGI monkey movie is gonna really blow your socks off. They, I would have been. They consider like, monkey a derogatory term. Okay, by the way. fine. Chimp. <laughs> I don't. What am I calling them? No, you can call them monkey. Um, 
I like I just I wasn't prepared for how good it was and it's so mm. fucking good uh mm-hmm. and then I rewatched it a bunch of times uh Koba has all the best parts in the movie um we can get into that in a minute but I will then say that that is what led me to being very excited but dubious about seeing war in theaters mm. which we did do I was like Dawn is so good like there's no way did you see Rise before war uh, yeah, I did. And I was okay. like, sure, yeah. fine, whatever. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Moving, on. Um, Moving on. But I was really, really, really pleasantly surprised with how good war is. And seeing it in theaters was an absolute treat. Yeah. I can only yeah. imagine. It's really good. I've seen all of these movies in theaters. You have. I have. I saw even 1968, uh, like you've like you yes, were that, in, that like when it came too. out. Yeah, you went geez. through the Halcyon, <laughs> uh, fucking the the Haslin curve. Yeah, and saw it <laughs> wound up. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. It it's there. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you did a good job with that. Thank I you tried. for that. Yeah, yeah no, thanks for the, for the tea up. Uh, so I've seen them all in theaters. I went and saw Rise actually probably a couple times. Uh, I went and saw it with a friend, mm. and both of us like we went to like a like a weekday matinee of it and we're just like do you mm-hmm. want to go see something that, stupid and that's a matinee movie that's yeah, for absolutely. sure a matinee movie it, it had been out for like a weekend we saw that it was getting like kind of well reviewed and we're like okay like it's not going to be a total waste of time and money it's like 105 minutes like what what could go wrong like let's go get lunch and then go see this movie uh so we did and both of us walked out of it like that was way better than it had any right to be right like it it wasn't, I had expected something really stupid and it ended up being something that was actually pretty good. Like, you know, often, often a little trite and a little, you know, kind of goofy, but mm-hmm. it's Planet of the Apes, you know, it's it, for a movie yeah. that was like Andy Serkis as a CGI chimpanzee, like leading a revolution and like a war on the Golden Gate Bridge. I was like, this is solid. This is, this is pretty, pretty smart. Um, so I went and saw Dawn afterward, excited for what I was seeing in it. Like, oh, this is the interesting stuff now, you know, like the kind of post-apocalyptic stuff that makes this movie interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I saw it and I would just like, I could not believe what I was seeing in like a blockbuster. It it feels, it's it's so like economically paced and structured and written and everything is just like in the right place and lasts for the right amount of time. It feels like almost mythic in its storytelling. Like there's something kind of like very old school and almost like Shakespearean about it. And it is, I don't know. It's just really, really special. Yeah. Um, I, I they, saw they function, they function a bit like cautionary tales. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw, and, you know, yeah. yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. I saw war with Carly. Like she said, mm-hmm. it was great. It's good spectacle. I didn't love it as much, but I think Dawn is like the high point of Mm -hmm. of this new trilogy for sure. Yeah. you. She has no one else. We 
We are not savages. Apes fight only to survive. Bad human kill. Ape. All, all dead now. A long time. Long time. Bad humans. Soldier. Years from now, your children will ask you, what did you do in the greatest war? And you can tell them, I fought to protect this world. We created this. But now, we will bring an end to their kind. Smart as hell. You're stronger than we are. But you're taking this all much too personally. So emotional! I did not start this war. Um, I don't. I You've been waiting a long time to, to, yeah. to get I've, this. Up. I, yeah. I've really wanted to do these movies for a while, and just to give a little peek behind the curtain, um, the well, well, first, I'll let me just say, um, I can't exactly remember when I saw these movies. I or sorry, I know like War, yes, Dawn. I think I might have seen it in theaters. It was before I had a letterbox. It was a 2014. I started letterbox at 2015. Um, so I think I saw it in theaters. And then I've probably seen it one or two more times. Probably once more after that. And then I watched it again when I moved to Portland and I didn't have any, like we didn't have internet yet. So I just had it downloaded on a hard drive and watched it on my computer. Those are the best. Um, yeah, it was it was nice. Um, and same for war. Um, or no, not for war. I oh, I remember now. I saw I rewatched Rise and Dawn right before war came out because it was 2017. I saw that mm-hmm. at July 2017. 16. Yep. Yeah. I saw that yeah. at the Century 16 in Cedar Hills, um, <laughs> home home of Nike. Um and like literally i watched it right across like one of nike's buildings um like their employees employee warehouse i think um was blown away so don i loved immediately it was also it was immediately like one of my favorite sequels ever i was absolutely raptured by it it's incredibly rewatchable every time i think of that movie i love it um I was absolutely one of my favorite films of that year by far. I was like hook, line, and fucking sinker. And then War, I loved the first time I saw it. Then I saw more reviews. Then I, you know, like over the years, I read more reviews and stuff like, oh, you know what? I don't, maybe it wasn't that great. And so, like, but, you know, I can't really remember. And then I rewatch it for the first time for 
this before, before recording. And it's funny how I just did not remember. Like, I remembered some of the beats, but a lot of it, I just forgot, like, the structure yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, this horror isn't that like, plotty either. No. It's just, especially, like, it's also, it, gone, in the less, and there's just so few humans, like, mm. characters that it's almost yeah it feels for some reason that makes it less plotty it's weird mm-hmm. um i l- was blown away rewatching it rewatching war for the first time mm-hmm. um these movies look absolutely fucking incredible um they especially with dawn it's like these could be so i mean nowadays things are so poorly fucking lit that any night scene or any scene that has the sense of gray or fog can just look like dull garbage. Everything is so, I watched these on, I had a, a 4K for both. I watched these on, yeah, I watched these on my TV and I was this fucking, anytime I saw a new shot, I'm like, that's fucking incredible. That looks great. That mm. looks great. That looks great. Yeah. Um, And Dawn especially is just like, the, it's so the way they Michael Cer- think, Michael Cerezin put it like just who hasn't off. done much yeah. besides yeah. the yeah. two apes movies. Yeah. And I'm wondering if he has like some really unique expertise in that technology that was being used because that's oh, yeah. mm. possibly because that, maybe that that's why it. it's been hard to plug him back, plug him in into other shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watching this, watching these again, I was. I am an insanely big Matt Reeves fan. I fucking love Matt Reeves. I haven't seen the Paul Bearer, mind you. Which is um, pretty good. Pretty good. Really? Oh, I, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen all of his other stuff. Let Me In, Clo- um, Cloverfield, The Batman. And we should and... say we've covered Let Me In last year mm-hmm. when the Batman came out. Yeah. And I pretty much love all of them. Yeah. I, I'm I'm unabashedly a fan of the Batman, uh, which mm-hmm. is you know a take a, a take, I guess you know nowadays it's it's one of those things where it's easy to clown on it, which is fair, um, because it is kind of cl- clown worthy. But uh, speak, but I think he's an incredible image maker. I think besides mm-hmm. like the old masters like Cameron and Bay, I think he's our best blockbuster dire- blockbuster director. I would agree with you. Yeah. And I and I didn't love the Batman, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was it's just not my particular kind of like what what I like in in a Batman story and the kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. and everything. But it looks great for something that is like as yeah. uh, Greg Frazier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's as as I mean, it, it feels almost kind of like monochromatic, you know. Like it's mm-hmm. like very like dark and very like dirty and and grimy, mm-hmm. and and it still looks like legible, which I think mm-hmm. is impressive about it. So, yeah, yeah. I think he's really good at making something that feels very distinct aesthetically and visually out of not a lot of daylight but also and and dawn is another great example of this that it's a lot of daylight and natural light but it doesn't look like overly like 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 grimy like there's doesn't look like a there's a still feels tangible right it does particularly because they're not made for streaming the um no they're not and and war just looked incredible on the big screen um but even um even like just watching on my computer 
which is how I, I rewatched these. Um, the stuff in Muir Woods in Dawn is gorgeous. Like mm-hmm. it's lush and it's green and it feel. I mean, I've been to Muir Woods a, a hundred times. And so I know what that place feels like. And it feels like what it looks like on the movie. Like he captures the kind of like dampness of, of San Francisco. And, um, and I agree with you, Clay, that he that Reeves is uh probably our our best um blockbuster like contemporary um of like a younger set he these two movies in particular dawn and war are like the word I keep coming back to is like riveting they are riveting cinema (laughs) like we're like even when you're like sitting back and you're like okay let's go and then you're like oh shit uh i blinked and now it's like been 20 minutes and i'm told i've been totally captivated like the dialogue is great the fact that like half of the movies like don't even really have dialogue and you're still on the edge of your seat and totally invested like even just the fact that like he and this is a part you know this is thanks to the actors as well like that we are as invested in the apes emotionally like viscerally psychologically as we are or at least as I was like that is a testament to how incredible these films are like Mm -hmm. that's a that's a big bridge to to cross um particularly in today's arena when people are like very used to seeing CGI images and aren't really dazzled by them anymore. I mm-hmm. mean, I was just dazzled looking at these apes. And and, and to think uh, um, Dawn is almost a decade old. Almost a decade Rise old. Rise yeah. is, al- is all over a decade old. Um, they took three and- years in between dawn yeah. and war that's yeah. fucking crazy i'm yeah. sorry that's they did yeah. fucking nuts and dawn. like yeah. it's yeah. it's good yeah. that they did like they they needed to and i'm glad that they did and like but it looks like it took on the screen. 10 years to make it looks like no, it took yeah. sure. 10 years it looks like there's the distance the distance between avatar and way of water like it did for dawn and war right for sure yes. the, the technology is yes. like, so like far in between each other craft yeah um because really for me it's like it's this idea that it didn't start with the way like Burton started. Like, okay, we need to reboot Planet of the Apes. Like we need to make this story for a new generation. Burton, would you like to do this? Yes. And then it did, we all saw how that went. And then like, this is really Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. Like they came mm-hmm. to what is now, well, we don't have Fox anymore, but what was Fox? And we're like, we have an idea. Can we do this? And then they said, yes, Rupert, May- Rupert Wyatt made what he made and like I, I for me, like it doesn't have to be like we have to fit fit this in, we have to fit that in. Like it has to be a scheduled thing, two apes movies a year. Like, I mean, Aaron, we you and I know that <clears throat> like the original sequels were one year, like 1970. You yeah. have yours, 71. You have you can expect another where you know that worked for the time, but now it's like they can be like, do you want to do another? And it's just like, yeah, we have an idea. And then, yes, because they got to improve on the craft and the like, the difference in the ape technology from Rise to War is pretty outstanding. Yeah. But 
yeah like to me it's just like they got to make them i mean same with reeves like he he's like if i don't make if i don't get to make the movie i want to make i'm gonna walk and right it, it doesn't seem to it really proved to me you could make movies with the tonal consistency of war and dawn without making the this big filmmaking event like it doesn't have to end in a disaster because you're making something with so much seriousness and dire post-apocalyptic feel like yeah. it, it really feels like a control set Reeves is a great person to work for right um and for this to be like an accessible blockbuster is super impressive that like we're I mean I, I guess I'm saying what we already said but it's like very impressive that this is accessible these are accessible uh trilogy of blockbuster while also being um ethically like you know ethically just in- really engaging yeah and doing like asking a lot of similar questions that the original asked right mm-hmm. and like still like not being unafraid to wade into complicated political and moral territories and conversations i particular i mean we're bouncing all over the place but i particularly love the turn in war um when woody harrelson's character who plays a sort of fierce i don't know like nazi proxy hurts uh, type almost yeah mm-hmm. um general Wait, is there apocalypse now references i didn't oh, catch yeah. oh, boy. oh yeah. boy oh boy <laughs> is there ever um but he is talking with caesar who they have captured and caesar is being held hostage at, at their base and he's talking with uh woody harrelson's character is talking with caesar and he's explaining why he's doing what he's doing and he's talking about like how he had to kill his own son because he got this virus that was mutated whatever we can get into the details if we want to but but my point in bringing this up is like even a character as reprehensible as woody harrelson's character in war like there are still these moments where you're like oh fuck like like I I kind of get like I kind of get what you're where you're coming from like I don't I wouldn't go about it in the way that you are but the movies are not afraid to like be like yeah these are complicated fucking conversations that are happening mm-hmm. this is not like a simple like good versus evil this is about survival which is very fucked up and messy and the movies don't stray from showing you that um, and I love them for it. And it it is what makes both Dawn and War not just thrilling, riveting cinema, but also like incredibly visceral and emotional. Like you cannot help but be invested in what's going on because it's asking really, really like resonant questions that are applicable now, 50 years ago a hundred years ago whatever mm-hmm. yes yeah, especially so and it's so interesting um especially hearing the how dawn starts which is the news broadcast of the simian flu spreading the last time i saw these movies was in 2017 two years before the pandemic mm-hmm. and it was like yeah isn't that crazy Jeez, you know a disease nowadays wiping out like a like a million people millions of people 
that's fucking nuts. What sci-fi madness. And watching it now and like, you know, you know, the simian flu, you know, and like sh- people saying there's been riots and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, um, I mean, obviously it's nowhere near as, you know, taking out half the planet. Um, but the similarities and the use and the how people would talk about it, like the language of those news reports. Yes. Crazy. It's asking the same questions. I mean, mm-hmm. even if the scale of the thing is different, like the sort of moral territory that these movies are playing in is incredibly, uh, incredibly parallel to like the conversations we've been having the last couple of years. Yeah. And I like, I like the way that this new trilogy really explores like the sense of fatalism that like arises mm. in some of like the later entries of like the previous Planet of the Apes series. It's all, you know, this kind of interconnected thing that is like, you know, these these sort of fish out of water characters or these characters kind of like pulled out of like their their standard existence and on this trajectory toward oblivion, like shared oblivion between everybody. And you get that sense from Dawn and, and War specifically in this trilogy that it's like, you know, these these creatures are like thrusted, you know, foisted into this like intelligence by right. man's hubris. Uh, and then they become the victims of man's scorn because of our hubris. You know what I that's mean? What, like that, I mean, that's what Woody is saying throughout that says. entire... Yeah, basically, yeah, absolutely. We, fucked with, fucked, we fucked with nature and it's fucking us back. Absolutely. Yep. But it's also like one of those things too where like from the ape side, it's like they're like cursed with with this decision-making that they like, this like, you know, moral kind of consequence of being made and they didn't ask for it. You know, like Caesar is, uh, you know, kind of reluctant leader in the sense that he's like, I just want to exist and like for our our people to be safe. And, you know, I want to take care of our tribe of of apes. But the only reason this tension exists in the first place is because we like, (laughs) we're not what we used to be. They experimented on us. They tried to change us. They tried to, they tried to fix life and disturb like a a sort of natural order of things and that and that's why we're here now and even if they never like necessarily like speak that the apes like there is that just kind of like brutal like realization on behalf of the viewers that that's what's going on where it's like nobody had to be here none of this had to happen this way and now like they're all facing the consequences and damned to just like to fight or to die or to like you know live in this really like brutal existence uh because of it and And what's great is like caesar doesn't realize it didn't have to be this way like he makes mistakes he's as as at fault as anyone else is as any human is just because he's an eight doesn't mean um he's a flawed leader and you know i think of in rise when I think he goes to protect John Lithgow or mm-hmm. the neighbor and what is the violence that he can easily access for protection and as a loving act, some would call it, what everyone else sees is just an animal. Like he's just 
it's just something that is barbaric and uncontainable and it leads to and that and it's like the what is well done about rise is like you do see those moments like what we see with koba um it's those moments that are planted and then it's like one one of them is raised lovingly um and then the other is just experimented on and their view of humans can can be drastically different even though rise is in my opinion vastly inferior to um the two reeves films um i I think it's i I like it a little better than you it's been a while though um i the the character connectivity between rise and dawn and war is phenomenal i mean yeah yeah. and it still all works yeah it's and i'm really impressed because a lot of filmmakers especially who come on are like ah fuck that i want to do my own thing Mm -hmm. um and he did in a sense but he also honored the foundation that was set and i think that was also the most efficient and intelligent move because you have all of this rich character work already kind of done for you and you just carry that forward Mm -hmm. i mean with like Koba's almost sadism when it comes to yeah. killing humans you know you see that with how he uh how he kills Oyelowo um and that like you said Jack with like how kind of Caesar learns that savage like it optics to for lack of a better term is important um yeah. and that he's and he's never going to be taken kind of seriously if he acts like a quote-unquote animal and even, even he says in war, it's like we're sending them back so they know we're not savages. Yeah, he's trying to prove all of the humans wrong that we're not monsters. We're literally just other beings of a high intelligence. Yep. I love that you brought this up, Clay, because I wanted to talk about it um, specifically with regards to what motivates Caesar versus what motivates other apes particularly Mm -hmm. Koba, um, but also uh, a character like Donkey in War. Um, Caesar is hellbent on proving that he is intelligent and that he is um, a worthy, like, adversary or at the very least, like, that he should be respected in some capacity. And what characters like Koba and Donkey, who I don't think are entirely similar, but they share some threads, what character, what characters like Koba and Donkey share is an understanding that, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you can send all the messages, you can, uh, you know, like, speak eloquently, you can learn to, to converse with them and and know their ways and and uh show grace when you are met with violence and these humans will still at the end of the day only ever see you as an animal and i think that by the end of war caesar learns that lesson like pretty harshly um but he's there for a really long time and it's what distinguishes him from um from even the other apes that are on his side who are loyal to him but are still less concerned with the optics as clay puts it yeah and it's 
it's funny. It's because even if even if um there's a lot of times like even the villains of these movies the human villains will sit in amazement of them compliment Mm -hmm. them like Mm -hmm. there's at one point woody is like kind of listing down all the factors like you guys are smart as hell you got you know like your great survival instincts blah 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 and and even like kirk alvarado is it kirk alvarado kirk alvarado Acevedo he is great by the way love love how much of an asshole he is I was unfortunately a good good bad robot standby and all this stuff like he had like what lost and uh fringe like little bits and you know and he's and even Joe Toy on Band of Brothers oh and Thin Red Line like he's a he's a great character actor and I've unfortunately seen a lot of episodes of Arrow, which he was good on. Um, that's the, that's <laughs> don't 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 judge me. Um, I can't cut that out. But uh, thanks. Uh, I and even like there's moments where let's see who else who am I also? I mean, old men says you know like complimentary mm-hmm. things. They can say all the nice things they want about them. Mm-hmm. Like you're incredible. You're smart as hell. I still think we should kill you. Right. Yep. Yeah, totally. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. And like, that's even why, I cause, mean, cause, that's why, right? Like, right. Woody basically says, like, if we let you live, like, you will make us apes. Mm-hmm. You will make us animals. And we, cattle, we can't let says, that happen. Cattle. You will make us cattle. Yes. That's what he said. Isn't that such a, that's like that line is so, because it's like, because when I read, when that line, when I heard that line, I was immediately transferred to 1968 immediately mm-hmm. to what yeah. that present is to how that nova you know is imprisoned and like enslaved and all these things it's like it just appeared in my mind clear as day yes mm-hmm. yes mm. i also like what you're talking about in terms of like the narrative continuity between all of them like obviously you know they are a b c entries and like a, a continuing story but specifically that all of the connections to humanity are through the vectors of like Koba and Caesar and like the apes who engage with the human beings. And I appreciate that because I think a a weaker version of this series would have some sort of human consistency, like some sort of actors that like from, from episode to episode Mm -hmm. would, would carry over. I like to see Franco being a, yeah. And I'm so glad Franco's not in the second. I'm so glad Franco's not in Dawn, but when Caesar goes to the house and, it, and, and watches also it does, the video, it's like, it's heartbreaking. It, and like does, watching him it, as like a young ape. And I was thinking like, it does give like a classic feel like we don't have ever, I guess, in, you know, in beneath the kind of testing comes back, but um, we don't have like a reoccurring character throughout. Like it's like a refresh with each. Right. And the apes are the characters. Yes. yes, And you've got Maurice Evans and Roddy and Mm -hmm, Kim mm -hmm. Hunter and all of them like being the connective tissue. In fact, I'm sure you guys maybe have seen this, but there was, I think, a deleted scene in that sequence with Woody Harrelson or like a deleted portion of the dialogue Mm -hmm. that is like available that you can find where Harrelson, when he brings Caesar up to like his kind of like loft and is having a conversation with him 
he briefly alludes to having met Malcolm. And, like, he doesn't know him by name, but he's, like, when we first came here, like, there was a man who whatever, whatever. And, like, basically that, like, he explains to him that the guy, like, tried to resist them and tried to stop them from, like, going after Caesar and the apes. Tried to, Mm -hmm. like, coerce them to, like, not fight. And Harrelson kills him. Like, Harrelson Mm -hmm. admits to, like, murdering Malcolm. In that in that scene, and they, they cut it out of like the like theatrical version of the movie. That's interesting but, to me because yeah. that would have really added another element to Caesar, Caesar's revenge. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. but well, I like, don't think it takes anything away. I, no, I don't, no, I, it, no, it doesn't yeah. need right. it, but it is, well, yeah. but it is good, like kind of like dressing on it as well. Yeah, so yeah, some more connective tissue. Yeah, can we hmm. talk about Jason Clark? I was, <laughs> I. Yeah, I've always thought he was like, oh, he's good in those movies, good in Dawn. When I was rewatching it this time, I'm like an incredibly soulful and sensitive and gentle performance that we just don't get in modern blockbusters that I was like fucking floored by. Yeah, and yeah, I think I and I, I don't, don't I don't love him. I don't love him in it, but really interesting. I mean, I think he's fine. I think the, his one really standout factor is like those like Newman blues that yeah, he's got his eyes. Mm-hmm. and like they dirty up his face in so many mm. scenes in that movie and like his eyes are just like piercing blue. piercing blue yeah like when he's just like covered in mud and they kind and of scruff that... up his hair too yeah just, and he, look, he's, like, he's, he's he looks he looks rugged good. yeah 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 but clay know, you're making I... me realize that actually i mean you might be convincing me a little bit that his performance is better than I thought. I thought it was a fine performance, but your point about the fact that like his sort of soulfulness and like the, the subtlety, I guess, of his performance is like, you're right. It is kind of an outlier in blockbuster mm-hmm. films. And it, it, it's maybe why it's easy to be like, Oh yeah. Like he's, he's whatever in the film, but it is important that he is that kind of, that he's operating on that tenor for the yeah. film. He's the con- t- connective tissue of the human. Like he has to, I think he's given a pretty big job to do. On one hand, he is not charismatic like at all in this movie. He doesn't tell a joke. He has to be this very straight lace. Like I just here to do the work, help my son and save the apes. That's my, you know, whatever. I th- he he has the most screen time with the apes out of any human and it's mm-hmm. probably not even close and yeah. what stands out to me was the scene when he's first brought into the camp and you kind of have to look at it from like his perspective when i mean his i mean jason clark's perspective on the day of that shooting what is he actually seeing? He's seeing a bunch of random character actors in fucking jumpsuits. And he has to act <laughs> yeah. like it's the most unholy, it is the most godly and the biggest breakthrough in scientific history. He has to look like he just discovered the holy fucking grail. Yeah. And I think, and in his one-on-one scene with Caesar is he, again, he's like Andy Circus and mocap. And he has to like, basically... You know, he's like it, like almost a piece of himself is leaving with Caesar. Something that yeah. he's discovered. Something so this like empathy that he had, you know, that he's discovered within himself. And he, you know, like basically how he puts his head. Though you know, his they they touch heads, 
And mm-hmm. also that that looks incredible because it's like mm. one of those things you can't even tell. You think you're, oh, he's no. like, you know, a monkey's head. Um, and he has to do all that work when he's looking at tennis balls and gray yeah. jumpsuits and character actors with like funny cameras sticking, like watching their face or whatever. It's a big ask of a performance. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. It is and probably difficult I, for all of them and they all do a really good job with mm-hmm. it. Uh-huh. I don't even uh the actress that plays Nova. Oh my god, I was yeah. I was like really blown away by how well she plays opposite the apes who are as Clay said, you know, just adults in a jumpsuit. The actress who plays Nova is Amia Miller, who is mm-hmm. quite good in this. Um, that's another and... perfect take. Yes, exactly. She has that job. She yeah. has that crazy responsibility of what Clark does, even to a t- the, uh, she doesn't interact with a fucking person in that yep. movie. She's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. She, is. she does a very good yeah. job. I loved her. Um, but I, I thought I was thinking about Jason Clark as well. Like, has that, yeah, like we say, has that sturdy presence, has to be sort of like, on it like focused on a mission not like not doing like the modern like quippy joke a minute sort of deal that we all get annoyed at but um also like he's not a leading man either because they're because we haven't found quite what to do with him like this next year he's gonna have a a terminator movie we all know what happened with that and then you know it's like here kind of has like a character actor thing where it's like he doesn't particularly have a mode that he's known for and because of that he could kind of do anything mm-hmm. i just think he, he's like really solid in this and you didn't... guys have convinced me yeah. actually yeah. That he is like very very good in this he does and, this and movie. He good work in it and, and you know what you know what else he's quite good in is um everest He's climbing Shit. the mountain. He climbed Everest. Yeah, I yes. fucking forgot he was in yeah. that. Um, I don't think most people remember that movie. Well, no, you know. I totally forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, can I, we I mean, uh, talk briefly yeah. about um the uh the the battle sequence in mm. Dawn oh. when Koba attacks? The- talk about cinematography. That that, that battle has the shot in like any of these movies like the the stationary like camera fixed to the top of the tank and they actually did that like for real like, oh yeah it's crazy. I, I, it's, I think about I it all like, the time whoa, like that like, shot is awesome yeah. i want to <laughs> like, kiss really... matt i want to kiss matt reeves i want to kiss him on the mouth he is <laughs> it's, so it's, good. it's a very inspired like shot it's showy without being like annoying uh it's, it's just like technically impressive and well conceived and like something really interesting to look at but there are that. so many incredible moments in that battle sequence like cobra riding into camp with jumping through the fire with dual machine guns on a horse guns. oh my fucking god mm-hmm. like <laughs> that's Reeves. the shit i want to see in a yeah, it's that, cool. It's that fucking cool. There, and that's that's the brilliance of Reeves. Again, I I'm die. I fucking I I love that dude. He he's not a fan servicey guy. He's not yeah. gonna give you exactly what you want, but 
he does the shit you want to see. So it's like in the Batman, it's like that, you know, w- behind like when um when the car, the penguin's car gets flipped over and you see that mm. upside down shot of Batman slowly walking with flames in the background. It's like those are money shots. And those are and those are shots that you're like, hey, Clay, what do you want to see in this movie? I'm like, I like to see that. And he's like, all right, I'll give you that. But yeah. it's not it's not like fucking Russo brothers. Like, oh, wouldn't this be just so fun? Yeah. We yeah. just have these two characters say the thing you want them to say. Like, yeah. it's something that has weight and something that also just looks fucking cool. Yeah. 100%. Well, and it's like the thing that, you know, we've talked about on our show before and, and others about, you know, like Cam- Cameron had a really good uh, quote on this when he was talking about like Avatar stuff where he's like talking about, you know, like the quipification of like modern action dialogue and these like Marvel movies and stuff. And he says something to the extent where it's like, if your characters have an ironic detachment from the stakes of the story that they're in, and have like the ability to comment on it rather than it feeling real to them, it's never going to feel real to the audience either. Like your characters have to like, if they're in danger, they have to act like they're in danger. And I think the thing that I love about these two films is that there are moments of levity. There are moments of humor. There are, you know, all of these like big emotional swings in them and they all feel organic to the story. You know, and they do a good job of that, I think, more so with, like, Bad Ape in War, which we were talking about when Carly and I were watching it yesterday, that it's just, like, it's so necessary, because, like, you just saw, like, a Bridge on the River Kwai scene where, like, mm-hmm. it, like a orangutan, like, got shot through the head at Point Blank Range and, like, you know, eight people getting whipped and stuff. Or and even then, a like, moment out of the ascent when that soldier is dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, right. and then you and just, you need, you need striking. something, like bad ape like being kind of silly but he's mm-hmm. not like overly silly he's, he's just being like his character the, the gravitas from yeah. the situation and like dawn is a better movie overall yes. in my mind i, I, I agree yes. but what war has that i don't think dawn has quite as much of is like a very very intense emotionality like i i openly sobbed like seven times watching war like it's dark and it is it goes to really like spiritually troubling places and um it's just it's mired in death and like just like grief like it's just like a very very dark intensely emotional film and I think that it only is because Dawn does such a good job investing us in these characters and this world and like so then by the time I see Maurice in Ah, war I'm a fucking mess already like you know yeah. and same with rocket like yeah. i love that fucking i love rocket and it's because it's because of don and, and i think it's why the why the emotional beats in war work so well um yes. but that movie is substantially more sinister than don yeah 
and still compelling to watch though like it's like it's, riveting it's riveting cinema it's dour yeah. in certain points and it's just like this is like like even as i was watching yesterday i'm like i forgot how like really kind of dreary this gets and how like how the, the depths that this one goes to before it, it ends but it's never not compelling and i think it's like a really a really complicated thing to be able to balance something that has that kind of like intensity to it and that sort of emotionality behind it and is like that kind of dark sometimes and still make it a compelling like two and a half hour blockbuster movie mm. there has been when war came out there was a lot of criticisms of its bleakness and how dour it was and i yeah. can understand that being off-putting for people oh. um but on the oh no i mean what? like it's got to because like that's, like it that, has, like, that's I don't know. Like it's, it has point. to. Like it makes sense. Like why? How do it would, you it would get, feel dishonest? Like, how do you is, get to I, I mean, 1968? For, so how do you get to that? Hundred percent. Yeah. Because for me, it's like I don't. That's uh, I hate. I hate to say, like I don't hate to say this. Like it's it's part of the joy oh. of doing this because we get to see how wrong we were, or the consensus was that it's like no, like that consensus is so dumb. We yeah. needed to, for me, it's like war acts like we start at a place of like rock bottom emotional through point. And then we're, I mean, not pun not intended. We rise up from that rock bottom. And then to the end, like we get to like, you know, somewhere here where it's like, okay, like Caesar has reached a catharsis with Maurice at the very end. And yeah, no, this, it would feel disingenuous to where dawn ends if it wasn't so moody which i sure like as for an accessible blockbuster i suppose but for something that makes sense and is so critically and commercially celebrated like it it makes it makes perfect sense to me like absolutely a fucking dime a dozen happy fucking action blockbusters that are quippy and right like right (laughs) i'm okay with like every now and then one of them being like fucking bleak like it's called war for the planet of the apes like it's not you know war is hell we know that and it's just like i mean like you said it feels emotionally honest and genuine to like the story that they're trying to tell and what an incredible like middle chapter that is for half of that movie's running time, literally at the exact midpoint, like one hour and five minutes is when we get the first real like significant bloodshed right. in the movie. Mm. And before that, it is just like a brilliant, brilliant masterclass of a, a particular kind of like blockbuster filmmaking and restraint and like ringing of tension out of your premise where everything comes right up to the edge, right up to that precipice, and then dials back and then escalates again. So much so that when you finally see that moment when Koba swings into the bunker and like plays dumb, <sighs> plays ape, and like uh, still I think maybe like the high point of the entire trilogy is that scene. I think it's maybe the high point of like any movie made in that decade. <laughs> I I don't know, like that that's my fucking shit and it's incredible i'm I'm so glad you guys brought that up because the original how this episode of this podcast originated was 
Carly posted a semi-thread about that. I think that scene specifically. Yep. yep, yep, yep. And then I sent her a DM of the behind the scenes of Kebble, like doing that on set. Unreal. And then I messaged Jack saying, I want them to do, I want them on the pod for apes. <laughs> I immediately, because I'm just like that, because you because what you wrote and like i could tell how passionate you were um and i just was like i've been dying to actually do these movies so i just texted jack we got to figure something out Um, yeah what i said was uh in regards to this scene the semi-threading question uh what i said was it changed molecules in my body yes (laughs) because it did yeah it literally changed me Uh. like I was a different person after watching that scene. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And not the kidding. but and the behind the scenes footage is so important because I think I think people lose kind of misunderstand sometimes how much of the actor is in those performances. Oh my god. And you see that behind the scenes you see the physicality and you see the facial expressions that Kebble does he spit out that actual drink that wasn't like he fucking drank it and spit it out like that is Mm -hmm. that's really incredible and another in another in another example of two uh uh, two character actors who are asked to pretend that guy is a fucking monkey and he's like oh you know are you lost you know no that like Imagine saying that to a person like (laughs) it's like having that tone of voice. Like I can barely do that with kids. I can barely have that tone of voice with kids because I feel like I'm demeaning them. Yeah. And to like, just do that to another person. Obviously they're professional actors. That's what they get paid to do, but it's just, it's really just, it's just, I think it's a special kind of talent and some even, and, I've heard some actors even like, I kind of love it because it gives you like, you can kind of use your imagination within a scene, but I I would find that so difficult. It's challenging for sure. But if we're going back to like the actors behind these apes, I mean, Kebble is just like, he's giving us so much. And I, while I would imagine it would be hard potentially to sort of like jump that, that like psychic bridge of like okay this is a monkey he also is just so fucking good at like physically being an ape mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's wild and what i what i love about his performance in dawn in that scene in the scene when he fights caesar and so many other moments but specifically those two the he has to communicate so much on his face um, that you you have to see that there is pain there that he has there's multiple layers of pain he is in pain because of the trauma he has experienced that has made him angry he's in pain because of the the present anger he's feeling about their situation and he's also in pain because he is betraying someone who he cares deeply for um and and in the scene when he apes for uh these two gentlemen 
he's also in pain because he is debasing himself and he, he knows that he has to do that in order to get get their guard to come down mm-hmm. just like uh, it's it's a lot and it's beautiful it's mm. really really uh beautiful movie making mm. yeah because I, I think at one point uh caesar and uh Cole say like they're brothers or if not yeah. like it's heavily heavily described like their relationship is so close and yeah like i didn't expect it i didn't expect it to be that philosophically challenging since kobo is of course so um so worried about losing control but then caesar does realize we we need to spare some mercy and we can't be as oppressive as the humans right that's that's what will keep us apart that's what will keep us separate and then like yeah it's that argument that keeps the the movie so timeless and and so relevant it doesn't it never feels dated in that way um yeah i agree yeah yeah and caesar i mean he has his heart is in the right place but ultimately i think why he ends up failing and being in the position that he's in for most of war is because the he wants to basically just recreate what the humans want right like mm-hmm. he's not building something new which is kind of what koba wants it's not kind of what he wants koba does want to like burn everything down and build an entirely new society right he doesn't right. want to like facsimile of what they had before he doesn't want some offshoot of you know some version and caesar and this is why in another conversation we had about don i call caesar like a sort of liberal perspective whereas coba is a much more left antagonistic uh a revolutionary perspective because he understands you have to build something entirely different you cannot iterate on what has come before and caesar does not succeed until he understands that and realizes like okay that we actually have to venture out and and build something new from the ground up my take on that dilemma is that they're both right mm-hmm. and that's caesar valid too made, that, that's possible yeah caesar made the correct decision at almost every point in my opinion but it was but kobo was correct in that it's a lose-lose we showed yeah. him all this great humanity and we show all this great compassion and stuff sure that might earn them a few years but eventually that military base, that that colonel is coming and they're going to wipe them all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, but but I think Koba was wrong because well, if anything, Koba just accelerated that. Right. But he mm-hmm. also fundamentally went against he become a he became a fascist. In a way, political yeah, prisoners, um, like 
killing people for not going with him. He showed um, like immense cruelty to other apes. Um, but to me, it's funny because Koba Koba accuses him of. Caesar being too much of a human, being too human, not enough ape. Right. I find Koba to be more human than Caesar. Well, I think that mm-hmm. that's the ultimate contradiction, right? Is that his capacity yeah. for that is uh, is the thing that like, yeah, makes him the most human, right? And he yeah. recognizes that. H- and, humans and are inherently contradictory. Because he was made by humans. Right. He was the, the he product was of them. human cruelty. Mm. That's all. And he is the direct descendant of what we do as people. How many Caesars are in the world? How many Cobas are in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a vastly bigger number. Vastly. Mm. And how many uh, Cobas and Caesars are, are disagreeing, right? Like they can't see... I, but um. I just, it's just Caesar, you know, and you could make some religious allegories. You could say, you know, Caesar is a Jesus-like figure. I I, I don't necessarily prescribe to that personally, but I could see the points and the mm-hmm. arguments. But Koba is human consequence personified. You treat people like this, you treat animals like this, this is what you're going to turn them into. And they are, and he is justified in his anger because also he's right. They yep. will wipe them out. They will Absolutely. try to wipe them out. They have no, and there's nothing in the entirety of human history that has never been proven wrong. An oppressive force will wipe out a culture, no questions asked in a moment's notice, the moment it is convenient. A lot of Native American tribes worked with the, you know, colonizers and, you know, in fucking U.S. government and made alliances, made treaties, traded goods and services. Hey, you yep. can use this. Thanks. Give us weapons, blah, blah, blah. And they were wiped out anyways. That is, it saves you years, maybe a few fucking months. But the thing is, it's like, how do you, but you can't really disagree with what Caesar does because it's like, you're just going to exacerbate the issue. Mm-hmm. you're going to probably make your that re- retaliating force might be even more cruel and it's and to preserve your culture to preserve lives to you basically sacrifice the least amount of apes should you be your goal as a leader but is that realistic that's my diatribe mm. yeah Off it's complicated box. It's like, it's the thing that makes it interesting, right? Is that there is not like any real clear path forward that like feels right. And mm-hmm. there's no just. clear path forward, but also multiple things can be right. You know, like I just, that maybe that I'm too much of a, like a, I'm speaking too much of a centrist or whatever, but it's just like, you know, it's like they, they have, you know, both their arguments they are valid. Both, they, you know viewpoint <laughs> I don't, they both I don't, viewpoints. I, I, no i know what you mean i know right, what, yeah, what like really needed to happen what really needed to happen was rational uh reaching across the aisle on yeah. both <laughs> caesar and and koba's part in order for this to really work out the way you know yeah yeah they needed they needed a moderator um Sen- sensible to... reach across the yeah. aisle right where was are the doing... parliamentarian 
<laughs> what what where was where was she to that was the question i was oh she you know, oh where, oh okay all right well, i the, like that the current senate parliamentarian is a woman yeah i know, a woman. <laughs> I know that because we all just found out about her like earlier this year right existing because they made it up <laughs> they made it up <laughs> they made it so up they could just not do shit yeah absolutely <laughs> Um, I, I feel like I've been talking so much, so I, I please for anyone else who has any points they want to make, I will shut up now. No, don't, don't shut up. <laughs> uh, um, I've got a, pl- I've got a place to go with this. Actually, I'm curious how everyone feels about the ending of this story, right? Uh, because it, it obviously ends. Spoilers, listeners, uh, with the death of one Caesar the Apethan. Anyway, Caesar dies. Uh, tired to even be mean to you about I, it. I know. Sorry, uh, but he 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 passes away, mm-hmm. and I remember when we saw this in theaters, not being particularly moved or or satisfied with like <laughs> the last scene of the movie. Uh, but I I felt better about it this time around. Thoughts? I did. Ju- I mean, you know, it goes back to. Um... Caesar being this Christ-like Moses mythical figure Mm -hmm. of, um, of, of a of a natural born leader that sacrifice is made necessary for the society or what comes of it to continue and for it to thrive. Um, almost like a self-fulfilling idea that yeah caesar is making these decisions right or wrong he's lost blue eyes in cornelia uh lost coba lost all these people along the way and yet still has to sacrifice himself for the betterment of the apes yeah i know i yeah i I liked it i liked the ending um yeah i don't know (laughs) i i agree with you jack i i I feel like while it so two things. I really appreciate that war ends like kind of with a whimper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's like really cool. It's kind of like a rush. Like, okay. And then Maurice talks about it and he's it just got, it's sort of like Yoda's death. Like just kind of like falls over. Right. Like he just, yeah. he just falls over. <laughs> it's not like dramatic, like, you know, fireworks don't go off. Like, um and like no the funeral. Apes, like, yeah. sort of notice but they're also like busy you know mm-hmm. like i i just i i think it's like cool. I, I of course like i saw it for the first time i was like he's dead like is he's he, definitely is he da- he's, wait are you are you is he napping are like, you not are you, are you like, no it's kind of brave right like it, yeah his eyes are closed that means he's dead yeah it's especially after like the movie the movie right. you've had and then you end with this, you know, pink sunset. It looks different than the rest of the film, right? And uh, yes, and he just right, sort of falls right. over. I like. I think that's a cool way to end a blockbuster, just mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. Um. But the other thing that I think is important, and I, I think it's important because it supports my earlier argument, <laughs> um, which is that Caesar fulfills his purpose by getting them to the point that he does and then he has to die because they can't really do what they've done before 
they have to do something different. And if Caesar is still their leader, it's likely that they would not do something entirely different. It's likely that they wouldn't bloom into a society that diverges the way that it does to get us wherever we end up. Mm -hmm. And so it feels right to me that he dies because he can't, he can't, he can only have a certain like mythic influence over them moving forward. He can't have material and political influence mm, right, on the right. thing that they build um, yes. from that point on. Yeah. Wit, he was the foundation. He has no more to I preach. can't, yeah, he's not a transitional leader. That no, doesn't nope. make sense. He is not. He is not. You go throughout the entirety of human history. That's just not, he like the person who is, the foundational to that civilization isn't the person who transitions it or whatever. Like that's not, nope. that yeah. does, that's not the thing that happens. Um, That'll be Maurice and he'll become one of the religious zealots who like, you know, mm -hmm. immortalizes uh, Caesar and mm -hmm. eventually keeps their scientific advancement stuck in place for centuries. Yeah, I'm kidding, but continue. To kind of piggyback off the ending um, I, I I really digged it. I, it's not like the greatest ending ever made, but I, I think it's it's so strong and it's emotionality and it's characters and it's actors that it really sells it. I mean, Circus, mm -hmm. I will say this. I think if not already now, in five years from now, we're going to look back at 2014 and 2017 and be like, how the fuck did he not get nominated for these movies? Dude, no, we that already, like, like, that is a perspective it's an that I, I have now. Even in 2017, I remember people having the conversation that's like, yeah, we need same. to start talking about how the Academy can integrate motion capture performances. Name me a fucking better shows. performance. That is just one of those things that's where no, it's, it's incredible. like. Even Steve Zahn. I was like, mm -hmm. this guy, come on. He's coming in here. Like They're doing great. They're doing great work. Yeah. I... It, it, and also, how many actors revolutionize a perf a performing method? Yeah, mm. and and he, he largely invents it. He you know, changed the industry like literally. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, and to it's, invent a new mode of acting. And it's, it's like, like in like a decade, you can see a reality when he gets an honorary Oscar. But that almost fe it feels like a like a makeup. Like, oh, sorry. It feels like are. bullshit. It's right. it's what happens with every person that gets right. an honorary Oscar. You're like yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, Danny Glover, Elaine May. Like, yep. yeah, like yeah. Just give him the fucking statue. Mm -hmm. Like at some point, you're just like, stop covering your fucking base and just do the thing. That you're mm -hmm. supposed to do. Recognize mocap performances. Give Tom Cruise his Oscar. Finally. Oh my God. Give Tom Cruise Absolutely. an Oscar. Yeah. Fuck. The category fraud putting him in lead, lead really fucks with me for collateral. He should have been in supporting and yep. he and should he have won. fucking won and that. And he should have well, won. I, I completely fucking agree. Even, well, even I mean, Jamie, nominated, right? Jamie Foxx was already in supporting for collateral. They could have both been supporting. They're both. No, he teams. wasn't. He was in lead. No, but Jamie Foxx was in. Oh, no, you're, you're right. He is, no, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm saying you, well, you just, you pick Ray or Collateral. That's yep. your, the, But that was Jamie Foxx. I see what you mean, but like, I was just, you know, trying to. 
But yeah. even no, if, Jack. okay, no, Jack, nominate, no, they're wrong. <laughs> okay, you have collateral. I'm always wrong. I'm you always have wrong. two nominate. You have two nominations in Collateral. Happened. It's happened before. It's a great movie. Yes. So fucking. But for that up. kind of movie, it would be unlikely. Whatever. I see what you mean. I'm just trying to think realistically. Like it's just when. Well, do you think? Yeah. Like, I think Jamie Foxx is incredible in that movie, but it's not really realistic of him getting nominated for that one. Yeah. Yes, I but agree. in a in a year when he dominated with Ray, the other performance that was acclaimed, it could it could be like. But when does that how would, how often does that happen? When that it, two actors, I don't I don't know. I mean, I like it's it's not didn't so. Di- didn't DiCaprio get nominated both lead and supporting in two thousand six for The Departed and Blood Diamond? No, he wasn't nominated for The Departed. Only Wahlberg was for oh, the okay, cast. Got it, got it, yeah, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, no worries. Um, no worries. I just make stuff up <laughs> No, but to to the ending of Apes of the Apes, but it's trilogy. it's like the but you know obviously it's the bullshit of awards. Like we can just yeah. do this all day. Like it's it. I forget where I heard it, but it's like the awards this industrial idea- complex. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, the, some guilds should you know? I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some you know. Like we should have award shows like five years after the date in which yeah. the movies, the movie. Yeah. That's actually that's an interesting take. Right. Like I, I, I see know. that. I see that. Like we would have you take, like, that would better... take the money out of it. Or yeah. it would take uh-huh. a less yeah. like it would take a lot of the money out of it. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's why I won't have uh, it. but Aaron, you were talking about the ending. You wanted to so, say, say something? Well, I was just saying, you know, like when I said, you know, I, I was initially kind of like soured on or disappointed by it. I think I was a different movie watcher when I saw this in 2017 right. than mm-hmm. I am now in 2023. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that bugged me about it was how artificial it felt aesthetically. Like it felt like it was shot like on a soundstage and like the, the sky was like that kind of like, you know, like, like heavenly sort of like purple and blue color behind the earth. It, it just felt very manufactured to me. Right. And like, now like I see a, it, I'm like, I actually kind of end. fucking love this because it feels yeah. like the end of a biblical epic. Uh-huh. Right. Like it feels like, it feels like a 10 commandments. It sure Which does. Is, and, like, and, and you look at the original and that has epic vibes for sure. sure. Vibe. Yeah. And so I watched it this time and I, I think, you know, I think, how to put it? I, I feel like, like a very similitude to like aesthetics was like a bigger deal to me at a certain point when I was a movie watcher where like, I want this to feel like kind of real and like lived in and authentic. And now right. like when something is like deliberately like right. uh, artificial, I'm like, fuck yeah, that's that rocks. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I don't know. It just works for this movie. Absolutely. And cause Reeves always works with intention. I don't think he's like, yeah, I don't know. I felt like doing this. Like he, he has intention in all of his filmmaking choices because he's yeah. a good director. I agree. Mm. Um, what do we and, we and after after this we'll do favorite scene. But what do we think of? So there was there is it's already done. It's filmed. They are making a sequel that yep. takes place years and years and years after it with West Ball. Oh. Um, it's done. None of it doesn't oh. seem like any of the original actors are returning. Even if they're no. if, even if because they could even play different characters, but none of them. It seems pretty young. Um, I doubt they're gonna be. I I would assume not many humans at all. Yeah. Um, what do we think? As with all the apes movies, <laughs> dubious, extremely dubious. Mm. West Ball kind of seems like a uh, Wyatt Russell type. 
Right. He's yeah. giving Wyatt Russell. Not... He's, he's giving Wyatt Russell or, or, or yeah. R- Rupert Russell or Wyatt. Yeah, Russell. all he's done he's, is the he's Maze Runner. Wyatt Russell. Yeah, he's done the Maze Runner movies, which if I remember correctly, like there were nice. supposed to be more of those, but they just like fly. Anyway, <laughs> I, I am not confident. I think, aren't you thinking of the, the Divergence? No, 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 no. No, I think you know, Divergent, yes, there was like some that like ended up being like straight to like DTV or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, but there no were like other that. Maze Runner ones too, I think that were supposed to eventually. Anyway, uh, right. West Ball does not inspire much confidence as a filmmaker. No. The fact that Andy Serkis doesn't seem to be anywhere around it also doesn't inspire much confidence in the ape performances being mm-hmm. compelling. Obviously, they'll probably like mocap them and they want them to be a little bit more human, a la like the original Apes series, because it seems like this one is taking place maybe even like centuries in the future as mm-hmm. like apes have evolved. Um, but I just I have I have a profound uh, I have a pit in in my stomach that just tells me this is going to be a huge yeah it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a brick no Matt it's... Reeves no circus school of mocap I'm out they're not there's no there's no product they have there's no pro- producer ties besides like big studio heads Matt Reeves is not producing. Uh, the the screen the, the guys who are writing it it's like blockbuster shit. Um, so no no silver been, Jaffa or bomb. I was gonna I was gonna ask about the writer team. Interesting. Uh, Amanda Silver. Oh so, uh, okay, so she's. But this okay. could be a bait. But it says written by. But this could all the screen or this says screenplay. But it could also just be a placeholder for based on characters. Sure. So, right. Like story yeah. by credit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The cast is almost no one is recognizable besides William H. Macy and just, yeah, it's just a bunch of characters slash no names. They've taken their time with it from mm-hmm. my understanding. They haven't rushed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the budget is. Um, West Ball was supposed to do that Mouse Guard movie that's been in production hell or whatever. I I have no idea. I, I yeah. not like super confident. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. I'll probably watch it unless it's dog shit. Um, because I think I would be I'm fascinated to where the technology like is the technology gonna be unrecognizable from what sort of the um that circus did, or is it could it be improved upon? I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm certainly I, curious yeah. about it. I'm so like Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I cool will title. watch it like streaming one night yeah. eating dinner. Right. That's what I'll <laughs> That's do. That's what it. I'll do. I, yeah. I also happen to have like a, a soft spot for Tim Burton's uh, Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. I think it's a very bad movie with incredible practical and makeup effects in it and some really fun performances and like not that far removed from kind of like the goofiness of some of the apes movies. Mm-hmm. Uh so like if this one's as good as that one, I'll be like okay, acceptable. I guess I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it. Right. But I'm 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 concerned. There's a there's I suppose there's a tonal line to balance with the Burton one. Like, do I obey how goofy and like the the original sequels were, or do I try to be my own? sense of humor but for me i think that one was just mostly boring um what do we say we get into favorite scene 
And uh, I think we can make it simple. A favorite scene of both movies. Both I don't think we movies. need to do individual yeah. scenes of both. Like I think we yeah. can just do uh, of of the culmi- the uh, okay. Cul- Yes. The accumulation of the. the thank team. you. Accumulation. Cumulative. Thank you. Uh, I think I know Carly's, but Carly, do you want to go? Koba uh, gunning down those dudes in the armory. <laughs> that guy. I literally think it's one of the one of the best scenes in cinema in the in the decade. <laughs>
think that's a that's good what I like take. To hear. That's what I like I to hear. I really, I, I find there's a one, there's like acting choice or writing choice in that scene that's really interesting to me is when he kills the first dude, he points the gun at the second dude. And almost any other movie, the guy would be saying, no, please, no, please. Mm. He's silent. Silent. He just has his hand up and the look of fear on his face. I find that such an interesting choice because it's just not something you would expect. I completely agree with you, Clay. Yes. And I it's, a, it's, it's so true. different from when Koba kills um, David Oyelowo. Right. 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 Where yeah, that he's pleading is with like his life. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. 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 Um, mm-hmm. I also, I mean, and also Koba's grin. Oh, terrifying shit. Like pure sadism. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same uh, look when, when Ash the i think that's the that's the character when when he's rocket, like rocket like, rocket ra- rocket's kid yeah um and he's like no caesar wouldn't allow this and he's like all right fine and like takes him and like goes right to kill right oh, so, gosh like you are like the Ace, worst follow coba now yeah yeah <laughs> like he he really like absorbs the worst tendencies in human violence um yeah. Jack's yeah, favorite scene. Uh, yeah, me. Um, I suppose one that we haven't discussed enough when uh, we get the colonel's monologue. I think that's like the perfect amount of backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't feel. One. I don't feel the current. I mean, Woody does a lot. I think we're all pro Woody in the in more in the film. Oh, yes, but, no, no. I'm. Uh, I sh- he, yeah. he just wants to talk about Rampart. He just wants to talk about right, 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 right. Um, but I like it. I like him a lot in this. It really has, um, like evokes a certain, um, character god that you complex. could see a god complex. Yes, that right. you could see coming to. It's. All right, this is a weird comparison. I'll I'll speed this up, but it's it's a little like um, Mad Max Thunderdome, where it's mm. like you could see a kind of god complex evolve to the point of like reversing like what you once were. Like you will treat us like apes were treated, like animals were treated, and it's yeah. like doing anything you can to then prevent that. And now he's almost like taking ideas that were associated with the US military and trying to instill fear in just about anyone, including himself. And that monologue that is delivered by Woody is really great. I didn't need much more of that. I'm like, I got it. And then yeah, really he doesn't have a ton of screen time. Yeah. It's like he doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. He has more than old yeah, he has more than Oldman, but yeah. not like a ton, ton more because Oldman yeah. has very, he's not in that movie that much. This no. franchise does a really good job with villains like Dreyfus, the Colonel, Koba. Like, you're like, just like really engaging antagonists, I would say. I think you have no mercy. You came here to kill me. 
Were you gonna show me mercy? I showed you mercy when I spared your men. I offered you peace and you killed my family. Mercy. Do you have any idea what your mercy would do to us? You're much stronger than we are. You're smart as hell. No matter what you say, you'd eventually replace us. That's the law of nature. The irony is we created you. We tried to defy nature, bend it to our will. Nature has been punishing us for our arrogance ever since. Ten months ago, I sent out recon units to look for your base. My own son was a soldier with one of the units. One day, he suddenly stopped speaking. He became primitive, like an animal. They contacted me and said that they thought he'd lost his mind, that the war was too much for him. Then the man who cared for him stopped speaking, too. Their medic had a theory before he stopped speaking that the virus that almost wiped us out, the virus that every human survivor still carries, had suddenly changed, mutated. And that if it spread, it would destroy humanity for good this time. Not by killing us, but by robbing us of those things that make us human. Our speech, our higher thinking would turn us into beasts you talk about mercy? What would you have done? It was a moment of clarity for me. I realized that I would have to sacrifice my only son so that humanity could be saved. I will go with it. Funny enough, even though Don is much... I, I prefer Don. I, it's my favorite. I'm going to go with a scene in war. And it's going to be the scene of bad ape and caesar having that heart to heart yeah yeah it's devastating because they do such great groundwork with bad ape because he's so comical and stuff and then but like it also has this intense loneliness um what and him being so somber and so serious even though like he's been on screen for five minutes feels crazy you know it's because he's like this purely comic character and now him being like legit like so somber is like it feels so weight like it has so much weight to it um and like him saying i used to have kids and the way the word soldiers terrifies both of them yeah that feels almost revolutionary I don't want to say revolutionary. Um, that that feels so impactful and that feels so pointed and that feels pretty crazy for a blockbuster to really be like, soldiers are evil. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's pretty gnarly um, mm -hmm. and something I really respect. Um, but yeah, I mean, that in, see, in Circus is fucking killing it. And during that conversation, you could tell how much of, how much, um, how much Caesar's English skills have evolved since Don, which I really like that connective tissue. Mm, um, yeah. 
and them just kind of it's one of those few times you're just like two apes having a conversation um yeah i think that's impeccable great work from both actors and just really well written I see, girl, I think you human, oh, but you ape like me. No, 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 put down. How long have you been here? Long, long time. Home. Are there more like you? More apes from zoo. Dead. All dead. Long time. Human. Get sick. Ape. Get smart. Then human kill ape. But not me. I run. You learn to speak. Listen. Human. Bad ape. No touch. That that's mine. I'm okay. Special day. Here, you keep. She keep. Where did you get this? Bad place. Human zoo. Bad human. Bad humans. Soldiers. Human zoo? No! No, no, go back there. Very safe here. Never go back. No, look, look, look. More snow. Cannot go. Must stay. <gasps> Aaron, how about yourself? Well, I mean, I think the Koba scene would have been one that I would choose in a vacuum uh, because it's perfect, but I don't want to steal Carly's. And then the bad ape introduction and conversation would have been my other one. But Absent those two choices on the board, I'm going to go with one from War as well, despite liking Dawn more. Uh, and it's the scene where uh, they first find Nova in the shed and <laughs> Maurice uh, connects with her and like gives her the doll. I don't have a ton of criticisms about War after this last watch. One of the ones I still have with it is that the entire like path of vengeance kind of like plot line uh, i feel is too rushed it's too kind of beat by beat i wish it was a little I can bit get more that. patient right uh and i and i wish that it took a little bit more time to like develop like the actual like emotional core of that stuff but mm. that scene is one that i felt actually did stop and take its time and it's like three and a half minutes where there's nothing spoken, nothing said, and just two close-ups of two faces reading one another, and that little gesture of Maurice handing over the doll and then petting the doll to like show that there's like this connection there <sighs> and that they're they're there to take care of her. 
When do you get that in blockbusters? That quietness, yeah. that time, that yeah. patience. Oh, sorry. Um, The amount of close-ups in war is astonishing. Mm. Astonishing. Yeah. It's, and it's just and confidence they that they look good, taking. right? Mm. They're breathtaking. And it's like, Not you a... understand if there's a lot of close-ups of Caesar, because there's like, mm. oh, he's the main character, they're going to do the most work with him. There's close-ups of Maurice, bad ape, fucking rocket. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really impressive. Yeah. Not only winter, are there... Even winter. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, at the up. end, of course. Yeah. Or not? Yeah. No, that wasn't winter. That was um, donkey. Donkey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But winter as well. Yes. Yeah, because there's not many close-ups in this franchise to like emphasize um their emotional state, but it's like because like the 
like the wide shots do so much of the visual language as well, but we just don't get that many close-ups in blockbusters as well. And I guess, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, it really does prove to me that these are so distinct from blockbusters in summer movies that ran dry so fast in the decade. Oh, yeah. But for something that came from like a rebooted franchise that didn't really ask for it to be rebooted and didn't and just had like didn't have like like just had the base of social commentary and um and human interact and poking at human interactions for it for to pick up like the baton from the sequels from the 70s like and it's like such an easy thing to reboot and it's like this is an example of like where a decade full of franchises coming back really um thrived and yeah one of probably one of the more sophisticated franchises of the decade it's i think we're I all agreement agree. yeah yeah don't even mention it um carlina thank you guys so much for being here it's absolute delight to have you back uh, the door is always open with us, as you know. Um, if you guys want to plug in, plug any podcasts you guys have out, or oh my goodness, anything uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, thank you very much. Uh, of course, yeah. it's always oh a pleasure. Gosh, yeah. um, always a pleasure. You guys are awesome. It's always so a pressure. Glad, yeah. I mean, pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity to get to talk about these course, movies because yeah, we yeah. we really love them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not anything all that exciting going on on, on our end of things. Uh, we. Uh, um, I just listened to one that was really good. Oh, the limey, the limey was great. Everyone should check out. Thank you. The one with the one with Matt. Um, yeah, that was lo- a great movie. That you guys spoke well about. Um, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Jack A. Draper and on Letterboxd Jack A. Draper. Um, I have writing on film at Boston Hassel. And this movie, it, the uh, the 70s sequels are available on Stars, while Rise My of the Planet Apes is available oh, I love stars. on. Can't get for those. Of it. Rise is available on Hulu, and Dawn and War is available on FX now. This was my case. Maybe it's various places, but this is where, uh, you know, I just happened to. I, I own those, them. maybe. Yes. I own those sweet, sweet physical copies. Yes. Um, I sleep with them at night. <laughs> they, they get tucked in and everything. Uh, next episode, we go to 2015 with The Lobster with Kendall Cunningham. Uh, everyone sure. can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can follow me at uh, Mr. Clay Williams on Instagram. You follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. Also, just one more shout Guys, go listen to Hit Factory Pod and follow them on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I know. Please, yeah, please, I, please they're, do. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. At, um, yeah. at Hit Factory Pod, exactly. Yeah. Um, Remember the 90s? Oh, oh so silly. Oh, go. man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't. Just... I wasn't alive for it, but yeah. I, <laughs> all sure, right. All right. Jesus, yeah. Jack. All right. Let me just end this. Uh, everyone be good to themselves. Rate, review, subscribe, retweet, share us with friends, run up to a person like an ape do some sign language and then actually say, I'm just kidding. Go uh, go listen to Exiting Through the 2010s and then run away on all fours. And Hit Factory. Go listen to Hit And Hit Factory, Factory Pod. Yes, um, thank you.
Be good to yourself. Stay safe. And we'll catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.